0: gackle report brought to you by the bay area news group i'm your host paul gackle coming to you from the gackle report studios in west san jose we've got a lot to get to this morning folks including joe thornton's resurgence logan couture's disallowed goal against the golden knights and the sharks returned to las vegas for the first time since the mandalay bay shooting but let's open things up right now with the news that has Sharks territory a little on edge. With 6:32 remaining in the third period of the Sharks' 4-0 win over the Winnipeg Jets Saturday, head trainer Ray Tufts came out onto the ice to check on goalie Martin Jones. It looked like they were taking a glimpse at his ability to move laterally. Jones stayed in the game and completed his second shutout of the season, making 38 saves. But things looked just a little off over that last 6.32 of action there last night. Or Monday, or Saturday night, sorry. At one point, Jones looked very awkward on a post-to-post play. He appeared to be moving very slow and cautiously in the blue paint, And when he went down to the ice to make a save, he was a little slow getting back up to his feet. Looked like he was, I want to, I don't, if there's something a little bit slightly below struggling, that's what it was. In between whistles, he could be seen stretching out his legs in the crease, suggesting that he was dealing with some sort of lower body tweak, maybe a groin or something, but don't quote me on that. I kind of had the feeling that something might have been up after the game when Yannick Hansen came out to speak with reporters, even though no one requested him. And then after Mark Edward Vlasic spoke, we were told to clear the dressing room to speak with assistant coach Steve Spott, who was filling in for Pete DeBoer postgame. DeBoer is on his way to the East Coast so he could have an extra day with his family. Nothing wrong with that. Then Spot told us that Jones wasn't available because he was being evaluated. Now, as you're listening to this, it's quite possible you've already heard the news out of Sharks practice on whether the injury is significant, on whether or not Jones will be good to go for a Team Teals showdown with the Flyers in Philly tomorrow night. I'm actually recording this here on Sunday, posting on Monday, but don't tell anyone. Cheating a little bit because I have a red-eye flight out to the East Coast. If that's the case, feel free to fast forward for a couple moments here. Now, my gut tells me that if this is anything, it won't be a major injury, just a tweak. If it was serious, I doubt the Sharks would have allowed Jones to stay in the game. Having said that, athletes can be stubborn. It's a badge of honor to play hurt, and they'll often... Downplay the severity of their injuries, even to coaches and trainers. And you can put a footnote in there uh, next to the name Joe Thornton or even Carey Price. We've seen Carey Price try to play through these little tweaks and then they become big tweaks. The other thing here is that muscle tweaks, if that's what it is, in fact, they can be deceptive, they can nag. What can seem like a minor little injury with these things, it can drag on and on and on if not given the proper time to heal. I'll tell you, I pulled a hamstring a couple years ago and I was on crutches for three, maybe four days, nothing major. I was walking without a limp, you know, probably in about eight to 10, 12 days, I'd say. But it took me about a year before I was at 100% You know, and I could go back to curling my top weight. I really had to nurse that thing for about a year. And sometimes when I strain really hard, I can still feel it. So when you're talking about things like groins and hamstrings, they can be tricky to deal with. And I'm just a guy working out in the gym. I'm not a professional athlete, and I'm certainly not going post to post in the blue paint. So if it's that kind of thing, it might seem minor, but then turn out to be a nagging ordeal, Or it might just be something that the Sharks want to take a little extra caution with so that it doesn't become one of these things that stretches out over weeks, over months. But on the surface, it doesn't appear to be a major injury. Like I said, why let him finish up the game then? Now let's say he does need to sit out a few games. I have complete confidence that Aaron Dell can step in for a short period of time and serve as a substitute teacher without allowing the classroom to catch on fire. And this is where you sort of have to marvel at how far the Sharks have come, goaltending-wise, in just the last three seasons, really. This was a nightmare position for the Sharks in 2014-15. Auntie Niemi was a nightmare. So was Stalock. The Sharks missed the playoffs ranking 24th in goals against average at 2.76. Then in the summer, they trade their number one pick, their first round pick for Martin Jones, and he emerges as a legitimate franchise goalie, setting a Sharks club record shutout streak in his first week on the job. But the Sharks had no insurance policy at that point, you'll recall. Staylock. Even worse in 2015-16 in the backup role. Which led to his departure at the trade deadline for James Reimer, who finally came in and solidified things. And of course, Aaron Dell was bubbling up through the pipeline at that point with the Barracuda. A sensational year in the A in 2015-16. And now he has a 2.06 goals against average and a 9.28 save percentage in 28 NHL appearances. In addition, the Sharks actually have some depth at goaltending down in the minors too. Pete DeBoer, very happy about this. Troy Groznik coming off a year in which he won the AHL's top goalie award. And Antoine Babo currently ranks 4th in the AHL in goals against average. And 4th in save percentage in 9 games. Not a bad situation. Del Grosnick and and Bibbo behind Jones. Who's just 27 years old and has logged 65 games in back-to-back years. Now having said all this, I wouldn't go so far as to suggest that the Sharks can absorb a long-term injury to Martin Jones without breaking a sweat. Whether that's now or at some point down the road. Stepping in as a backup goalie like Dell, getting thrown into the fire, sometimes going two, three weeks without starts, that's a tough gig. But it's also a different job from being the guy night after night, maintaining that level of play over weeks and months instead of just a spot start here and there. And I'm certainly not saying that Aaron Dell isn't capable of doing that. So long as I've been watching him play He's risen to every challenge that's been thrown in front of him. But it's like Martin Jones coming in as an unproven number one goalie two years ago. Until I see it, I don't really know for certain. And I'm not a guy that likes to deal in absolutes. I'm not going to sit here and say, absolutely, yes, Aaron Dell could come in and give you exactly what Martin Jones has. I can't deal in absolutes that way. There's guys, you want absolutes, there's plenty of guys out there that'll give you an absolute. But I can tell you this. The Sharks are hoping this is nothing. They don't want to go down that road. Now let's move on to Vegas, where the Sharks played their first regular season game against the Golden Knights Friday. Their first visit to Sin City since the night of the Mandalay Bay shooting on October 1st when the team took off in an airplane for San Jose less than an hour before that psychopath, Stephen Paddock, opened fire on thousands of concert goers, killing 58 people, what is considered the largest mass shooting in modern American uh, history. Now, several guys, Joel Ward, Pete DeBoer, the word that kept on coming up time and time again, was eerie. It felt eerie coming back to Las Vegas Wednesday night after they beat the Arizona Coyotes 3-1. Pete DeBoer is a country music fan. He said if the timing of that game had worked out differently, there's no doubt he would have been at that concert. Joel Ward had to shut his drapes after he got into his hotel room Wednesday because his window looked out onto Mandalay Bay and the site of the concert. He put on his Netflix. He needed a distraction. To be there on Thanksgiving after what had gone down the last time they were in that city, the team, the guys on that team who were in Vegas for that game, because remember, it was the last preseason game, so it wasn't a full team. The guys who were in Vegas for that game, this reporter, head coach Pete DeBoer, a lot to be thankful about. Yeah, was just a block off of Mandalay Bay at the time that the shots started getting fired. I was standing on a bridge uh, going over Tropicana. Sounded like fireworks. I was actually taking a picture for my brother and thought, you know what? I should get another picture with the fireworks in here for him. And soon after that, there was people charging down the strip saying there was a shooter on the strip. Pretty scary stuff. So it wasn't hard this year to summon the gratitude to appreciate this gift we call life. But on to the game. A lot of controversy there as the Sharks appeared to have taken a 5-4 lead at 2:40 of the third period when Logan Couture fired in what was absolutely a beautiful cross-the-slot pass from Brent Burns. Of course, that goal was pulled off the, the, the board because of goaltender interference. Jonas Donskoy's left skate made contact with Malcolm Subban's right skate just inside the crease before Couture fired the puck in the net. Now, guys, I hate to be the party pooper here. And I've been hearing from some of you, some of you polite, others of you quite rude. And I've heard other people's description of that play, and I've seen it online. read my lips <laughs> i just wanted to say that george hw bush became the oldest living president in american history president david copperfield read my li- you can't read my lips you're listening on a podcast folks don Skoy's skate absolutely touched suban's inside the crease no doubt about it i saw the overhead view frozen I could see the contact, end of story. By the letter of the law, I guess that goal should have been disallowed. The problem here in my eyes is that this law we're talking about, it isn't clear-cut whatsoever. It isn't black and white. It's murky. It's ambiguous. It's a judgment call almost every single time. Because what if Donskoy had made contact with his skate and then the shot came 10 seconds later? We're not going to call it goaltender interference, right? Because he would have had plenty of time to reset. We'd make that judgment call. And the judgment call that I think the situation room got wrong here is that, that con I don't think that contact impeded Subban's ability to get over for the shot. He wasn't in good position. He wasn't in position for the shot, regardless of that contact with Donskoy. End of story. I just don't think you can say that Donskoy impacted his ability to push off and get over to save that puck. And I think that that's why this rule and these challenges are so frustrating to fans. Almost every play winds up being a judgment call, so there's no consistency here whatsoever. But there was absolutely contact there. No doubt about it. And you know, Logan Couture made a good point. You don't want to get the goal pulled off the board. Don't go skating in the crease. You skate in the crease, you leave yourself susceptible to that type of call, and that's what happened. And the Sharks could have helped themselves out by showing up earlier in the game, I'll tell you that. They were down... 2-0, 2 nothing down 10-1 to on the shot clock in the first 15 minutes of that game. It looked like they'd spent the night in the casino. Does Vegas have the best home ice advantage of all time or what? How do you go to Vegas, at least for the first time anyway, and just sit in your hotel room, watch Netflix? And I'm not saying everyone is going out there partying until 5 a.m., smoking cigars, getting lap dances in the strip clubs or anything like that. But you can't tell me that there isn't a mental distraction just being in that city. It's so different from anywhere else in the NHL. Going out there and playing some cards, even if you're not, you know, doing anything wrong. And then all of a sudden it's back to reality. Boom, NHL Hockey. And the margins are so damn thin in this league. You lose that edge for 15 minutes to start a game, it gets pretty hard to earn two points. Vegas is now 9-1 at home, first place in the Pacific Division. I still don't see it lasting, though. And that's a nice little team, and I like their speed, and I love the atmosphere. It felt like a playoff game. It had that energy you know, that Winnipeg had when they first came up into the league. It's a great story. It's fun. I was a naysayer. I'm on board now. But they are leading the league in shooting percentage at 11.78%. They're fifth in PDO at uh, 101.95. It's hard to imagine that that's going to hold up. But we'll see. We'll see. That's why you play the games, right? Jumbo Joe Thornton. A tale of two weeks. It was the best of times. He missed four practices a couple weeks ago, and he struggled. And the coach said, good question, when asked if Thornton will ever be 100% again. Says he couldn't keep him off the ice if he wanted wanted to. Well, Thornton's looked pretty darn good over his last five games. He's been at 50% or above on the possession ledger in five consecutive games. Told me after Wednesday's game that he feels it feels good to feel healthier. DeBoer said he's skating as well as he has all season. Skating a lot freer. Man, is this guy a freak of nature or what? Just incredible. Still second on the Sharks in points with 14 on the year. And you know what? I had some doubts going into that Jets game Saturday night that Pavelski and Thornton, that line... Could hang with the speed and skill in the Jets' top forward, uh, top six forward group. And we we're talking about big, fast, skilled players: Mark Scheifele, Blake Wheeler, twenty-five points apiece; Nick Ehlers, Patrick Laine, seventeen points apiece. Throw Kyle Connor and Brian Little into that mix. It's a heck of a top six forward group. It isn't surprising that the Jets are what is it since March thirteenth of last year? Went into that game with a 24-7 and something record. Just ridiculous. But you know what? The the old slow pokes taught those kids a lesson last night. They taught them how it gets done. They were in their end most of the night. I think it was a 53% something Corsi rating for Joe Thornton. Logan Couture jumps on for their last shift of the first. Boom. They get a goal. Just please, please, please. Don't put Thornton and Pavelski on the ice together for three-on-three anymore. That's something I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong about. That's just way too much slow out there with a ton of open ice. Time to split that up in overtime. That's all I'm saying. Just in overtime. There were some things that Couture didn't like about that game against the Jets, but overall, I thought it was a very impressive effort. The Jets came in with an 8-2-1 record in the month of November. And... They're very much the modern NHL team in the Western Conference. Big and fast and skilled. And the Sharks defense, Martin Jones, they stood up to that challenge. They stood up to that challenge. The offense scores four goals in back-to-back games for the first time this entire season. That's 11 goals in three games. And they're holding on to a wild card spot. Despite all the struggles offensively, all the adversity they've had, injuries and whatnot, Sharks still sitting right there in a the playoff spot. Here we are, November 27th, headed toward December 1st. That's all the time we have today on for today's show. Am little redundant there, perhaps? Thanks for tuning in, heading out to Philadelphia. We'll be catching up with you... I would say I'm aiming for Thursday. Got a travel day down to Fort Lauderdale on Wednesday. So it's looking like Thursday. Hopefully, we'll get to catch up and recap what happened in Philadelphia, what happens in Philadelphia tonight, although it's really tomorrow night. But I'm going to say tonight because I'm goofing with you here a little bit right now. Folks, have a good week, and we'll see you on Thursday. On that note, I'm out. <laughs>